Hello, Lime Ninjas. This is Lime Ninja Radio, where we help you learn to navigate confidently through your own personal Lime journey. Everybody's journey is different, and a cookie-cutter approach just doesn't work for Lyme disease. You need ninja skills. I'm your host and acupuncturist, McKay Rippey, and this is episode number 100. Woohoo! <laughs> yes. And today we're bringing you an interview with Lime Ninja Heather Peretta. She was our very first interview. She had been a patient of mine and a friend, and she was very kind to come on this new, brand new podcast and tell her story about Lyme disease. And that got us started. So thought it'd be great to bring her back and see what life has brought her and Lyme disease brought her in the past two years. Interestingly enough, I tried to bring her back uh, after one year, uh, last year, at around episode number 50. And she was having a rough time with her Lyme disease and declined to be interviewed. She felt she didn't have a lot to say that was encouraging, and she wasn't feeling confident in in her own mental abilities at the time. So she, she said, no, thank you. But luckily, she's turned things around and really has some great insights to share. But... Before we get into all that, I want to also let you know that Aurora is with us. Woohoo! Yes, I'm here. Hi. And in this episode, you'll learn four things from Heather. Why a large part of getting better from Lyme disease is learning your health triggers, surviving the ups and downs of Lyme disease, how important a sense of curiosity is for returning to life after Lyme, quote unquote, and finally, the importance of nutrition for health and healing. It's a but, great, great interview. But first, we do have a f- some business to take care of. Yes, we do. Again, this is our first podcast on our new release date, Tuesday. We have changed things to make it a little bit easier, so I'm not spending all Sunday in front of a computer, just part of it. And so we're going to just release these on Tuesdays from now on. And we'll just remind you about that so you know when to find us on the interwebs. And uh, we're also going to be announcing the winners of the contest. Yes, there were 200 and, oh, I forget the exact number, 228, something like that. Not quite 250 entries in the contest. And we chosen the winners and we will make you wait the suspense is killing us too (laughs) till the end of the podcast so if you really wanted to i suppose you could fast forward to the end of it however it's a great interview with heather and you're going to want to hear it all right and i am excited about this episode because it really is nice to hear from heather again and just hear about what she's been going through Absolutely. Like I said, she was our first interview and really got the show started and had a lot to share. There is one of our early, very popular episodes. And two years later, she's learned so much about Lyme disease and herself and her body. I think you're going to be inspired by what she's discovered and and how she's dealing with her health. Okay, Aurora, why don't you tell us a little bit more about today's guest, Heather Peretta? Heather Peretta is an interpretive naturalist with a Bachelor of Science degree in environmental and forest biology from the State University of New York College of Environmental Science and Forestry. She also holds a master's degree in information design and technology from the State University of New York Institute of Technology. 
Heather is a New York State certified biology teacher and is passionate about building a community where people keenly observe their surroundings and understand how we are all connected to nature. Thank you, Aurora. Here is our interview with Lime Ninja, Heather Peretta. Hello, Heather. This is McKay Rippey from Lime Ninja Radio. Hi, McKay. How are you? I'm hot and sweaty. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> I, know. I just it, got done with an hour-long talent show in the upstairs of an old theater that has no air conditioning. Oh, so you're doing that instead of a sauna, huh? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> it was about 120. Wow. Well, it looks like there's a storm gathering. We're not that far away from each other. It looks like there's a storm gathering down here. And so if we have technical problems, it might be Time Warner getting hit, struck by lightning. Okay. Unfortunately, not not their headquarters, just a line somewhere. (laughs) (laughs) So the last time we talked was was just about two years ago. You were my very Mm -hmm. first interview. And, and I'm honored, yeah. <laughs> well, I'm honored too. I mean, that was very generous of you because we have a we've known each other before this podcast got started, and I I was yeah. looking for a way to ease myself into this, and you mm-hmm. were so gracious to say yes. And at the time, things were going pretty well. Yeah. I had been, I, what I thought was I had been through Lyme disease and come out the other side at that point. That's what I thought. (laughs) That's not what happened? No, that's not what happened, but that's what I thought at the time. I was considering myself cured, um, and I didn't really realize how complex things could get, so. So what happened? Because you were doing really well. I was doing really well, and um, I think what happened is a combination of um, inexperience and sort of life stuff that happened. So when I started feeling uh, better, I um, started experimenting with eating the way that I used to eat, which included different grains and um, even a piece of wheat containing food every now and then, uh, certainly dairy products. And so I sort of started adding nightshades and eggs and all these things that I had food sensitivities to. I started adding them back in. And at the same time, I was exercising quite a bit. Um, Then my aunt, who I was very close with, got really sick um, with glioblastoma. brain. She had actually two brain tumors. Mm. And... Um, so the combination of inflammation caused by eating the wrong food and inflammation caused by exercising and not sort of slowing down when my body was saying it's time to slow down and then inflammation caused by emotional stress, um, it all, everything came crashing down in that after we spoke, um, that next fall, I ended up taking, um, another 30 days of antibiotics and, um, from there, I really think it took me until this spring, really. So almost over a year to recover from that just really short course of antibiotic treatment that I got. So I have some questions about that. So basically a year and a half after you started the antibiotics, right? Yeah, yeah. Because wow. it, it was November, I think, of that year. Now, 
when things started, you said everything fell apart once. Were there some warning signs that like maybe you were going the wrong path or was it really just like things were kind of okay and then all of a sudden one day or one week, boom? Well, there were some warning signs. Um, I tend to be a morning person and I like to get up in the morning and exercise. And what was happening is as, you know, as the day length changes, it really affects me. And I was tired. And But instead of getting extra rest, I was still forcing myself to get up um, before it was light outside and to, you know, push, push, push with the exercise. And then during the afternoon, I would be really tired and I, I wasn't feeling well. Um, and I wasn't at all thinking about the food at that time, I, I was just thinking, well, you know, the days are changing and I'm tired, but I want to exercise anyway, so I'm just going to keep right on going. Um, and so I wasn't listening to those really subtle signs in the beginning. And then by the time I went to the doctor in November, I pretty much had all of my Lyme symptoms. Um, I had extreme fatigue where I just, I had no motivation to do anything, um, having a hard time taking care of my kids. Um, Every joint in my body hurt. I was nauseous all the time, brain fog, you know, dropping everything, tingling hands, night sweats, hot flashes, you name it. I had it again. Um, and so when I went to her with this laundry list of symptoms, she was, she said, okay, so you are experiencing, you know, the whole gamut, every symptom that you had the first time all over again. And I think you should um, take this 30 day course of antibiotics. So I did. And then did the antibiotics help? Well, (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) That's a long pause. So actually, let me back one more time. I don't know. And the was it multiple? Was it multiple? No, it was anyway? just Sefton. It was Sefton. Okay, great. It was just Sefton. And um, I think if this happens again, I'm not going there. I, I'm not going down the antibiotic path again um, because it takes me so long to recover from just a little bit of... Um, just a little disruption of my microbiome takes me a really long time to recover from. So, and I also think that right now I have a better understanding of what it takes um, nutritionally for me to feel well. So I think that I'm able to manage symptoms that come and go um, sort of on my own without, without having to do that. Of course, I don't have a crystal ball, so I can't say that for sure, but... Um, I've learned a lot in the last since since that thirty days of antibiotics. So you take your thirty days of antibiotics. Obviously, mm-hmm. after that, some things must have been better. Um. Well, I just wasn't willing. I guess I wasn't willing to sign up to any more. So I took them and then saw that as the beginning of a really slow crawl out. At the same time, I started really paying attention to the food, and I cut way back on the exercise, and so I started taking really good care of myself again. Okay. So what did you discover about food? Um, 
Well, for me, the food sensitivities are huge. They're like the major piece of why um, I either feel well or don't feel well on a daily basis. And really small things can set me off. So basically, in January of that year, so I took the antibiotics like November to December, got through the holidays. And in January, I said, okay, I have got to clean everything up because whatever I've been doing for the last six months, obviously it's not working because I went from a place of feeling really well to a place right now where I am feeling really terrible. So um, I, before that, I had been, you know, I guess you could label me as like a paleo, clean eating, like whole food kind of person. Um, I didn't eat any grains or beans. And so then in that January, I decided that I would do um, an autoimmune protocol and I would eliminate all nuts, um, seeds, nightshades, dairy, eggs, of course, the grains, the beans, all of those things, um, because it, every time I have a symptom flare, I also get hives and those really itchy, nasty hives can last anywhere from a month to eight months out of a year. No kidding. And it, it really, the itching is enough to drive me crazy. So in uh, exploration, trying to get rid of them, I, I really cut everything out. And um, at the same time, I have a lot of digestive issues um, where I eat food and then I have terrible cramping and bloating. Um, I'm irregular. It can go either way. So um, I also started at that time. Yeah, and I had that prior. I've had that for most of my life. And, and hang on one second. So I started to, Since I interrupted you, let me yes. ask the oh, question that's been in the back of mm -hmm. my mind. Did you follow anybody's yes. specific autoimmune protocol or did you make it up on your own? Um, I sort of went along with Sarah Ballantyne and the paleo approach mm -hmm. um, to start with because you have to start somewhere. Yeah. And then over time, I have really sort of tailored it to be what I need it to be. Um, I, I always tell people that, you know, Lyme disease has its good points and its bad points. And the thing that I got out of Lyme disease, which is a major plus, I guess <laughs> you can look at it this way, is the superpower where I'm able to tell you within about 15 minutes of consumption whether or not a food is appropriate for me to eat or not. <laughs> and how can you tell? So um, generally what happens is if I have something that I shouldn't, have within 15 minutes I get a terrible headache it's like right in my forehead above my eyes I get extremely tired and I start yawning and yawning and yawning um, and then you know I'll have some brain fog my mom has looked at me and she said it looks like a curtain just comes right over my face and the shine goes out of my eyes when this happens Wow because um, one father's day in between the you know feeling the antibiotic course. And now when father's day, I had about, you know, a quarter cup of ice cream <laughs> <laughs> and within a half an hour it was like, okay, now I have to go home because I can't, you know, I can't function anymore um, because of that little bit of ice cream. So I have a really hard time with sugar and um, 
I've slowly experimented my way into understanding that even tiny amounts of sugar-containing food can be really detrimental to me. So is so, it all um, sugars, honey included? Yeah. Yeah, so anything sweet. And, okay. And how yeah, about anything sweet at all. How about sugar alcohols? Um, I I generally don't go there. Okay. <laughs> um I mean, just they because can, they for can me, cause gastrointestinal from, upset anyway. Yeah, well every you know, it seems to me that every sweetener has its its goods and its bads, and all of the bads are affect me. <laughs> okay. So, so you, I try I try to not do any sweetener and even fruit juice sets me off. Yeah. Um well, that's incredibly so I don't, sweet. Yeah. Yeah, I don't do any juice or I mean like citrus like lemon or lime is fine because there's no sugar in that but um and i've also done a lot of experimenting with different foods and you know occasionally i can eat a tiny amount of berries Mm -hmm. it all depends on the berries blackberries seem to be the best um because i think that they're probably the less they're less sweet than the others um but i can eat like a couple of blueberries i just have to be really careful to moderate that and not do it again and again and again and not eat too much all at once. Yeah, so it's dose-dependent. It is. With with the berries, yes. With something like fruit fruit juice, no, that can happen with, with a tablespoon. Yeah, it's just too, in, it's too, too concentrated, yeah. How about like carrot yeah. juice or a vegetable juice with a little bit of sugar? Have you tried that? Um, I don't. I don't. I haven't tried any vegetable juice. I can tell you that um, right now, what I've been experimenting with is fermented vegetables. Oh yeah, of course. And um, so I have made some fermented lemons. They're on the counter right now. I haven't tried them because they're not quite ready yet. But I did make um, fermented rhubarb, and I like that. Um, I recently made fermented beets, and that sent me into two days of feeling terrible. Uh, I can't eat beets generally, but I thought if I fermented them that I might be able to, and it turned out that that was a big no. So I wonder if that's uh, the nitrous oxide connection with the beets. I don't know. I was thinking iron, but but I'm not sure. I mean, the thing about this is that... My journey is so personal to me mm-hmm. that if I were, you know, people ask me all the time because there's always people, you know, being newly diagnosed or thinking that they have Lyme disease and they're always saying, what should I do? And I have to be really careful because I can't project what goes on for me onto somebody else because we are all different. And there are so many things that come into play in the background that make Lyme disease um, present itself differently. And like Dr. Horowitz says that, you know, we have all these nails in our feet and you have to keep taking them out before you start to really feel better. Right. And so I don't really, when I look at myself, I see a person that has a lot of digestive issues and inflammation issues related to poor digestion that happened to get Lyme disease that brought all of that to light. Yeah. So it's um, it's all a big experiment. And I don't, I mean, I, I've read a lot of things, and it's very rare that I find something that applies completely to me. Mm-hmm. 
I sort of have to figure it out as I go. Now, just and and th- you make a fabulous point there because everybody's journey is is absolutely unique. Uh, and especially since we only understand whatever the percentage is, 50% about Lyme disease and everything else going on, or 40 or 80, whatever the percentage is, it means that yeah. we get things wrong occasionally or more than occasionally. Now, just to give an idea so people listening, is like, what kind of things can't you eat? Can you give me like a, the, the short list? Okay. No grains. None at all. Um even rice protein is a no. Um, I really don't eat any fruit other than the occasional blackberry. No dairy, no soy, no eggs. No beets. No beets. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there are, there are certain no nightshades. I don't eat any nightshades, any nightshade vegetables. They tend to give me nasty reactions. Um, So basically, I eat high-quality grass-fed meat of chicken, pork, beef. I eat um, fresh, wild-caught salmon um, or some kind of white fish, sardines, um, organic vegetables. I try to stick to leafy greens. Um, occasionally I eat carrots, I can eat sweet potatoes here and there. Um, and then I really don't eat anything starchy. So I think that's pretty much it. I mean, I eat lots of coconut oil, olive oil, uh, avocados. Can you lots tell... Of fat. Yeah. Can you t- can you tell if something's not organic? Can you tell if something has pesticides? Yeah. In it? How, how, yeah. You, usually, I can. You get your same headache symptoms: thing? headache, headache, brain fog. Sometimes my vision is a little bit blurry, funny, um, and that's pretty. That's pretty common. Um, someone was really kind to us, um, and at Christmas time, they sent the kids some freeze-dried fruit and there was strawberry some freeze-dried strawberries and it didn't it, they didn't claim that they were organic um but the kids were saying that they were really sweet so i took just a tiny piece and immediately the curtain fell <laughs> so it was a very um because i can generally eat one uh organic strawberry and not have too much trouble with it, that some people are pretty reactive to strawberries. Yeah, but I don't, I mean, I, fruits. I don't, yeah, but I don't tend to, I don't necessarily tend to be. Okay. Um, it's just, I attribute it to whether or not, because sometimes I can and sometimes I can't. So it, the question is, is that because something different's going on in me or something different's going on with the strawberry? <laughs> right, or both, right? Or both. Now, it sounds like you're on a ketogenic diet. Are you? Um, yes, but not like it, it wasn't like I Googled it and said, oh, yeah, this looks cool. Let me try this out. Um, what happened is that after I started doing the autoimmune protocol, then I started looking into FODMAPs mm-hmm. um, because of the fact that my digestion gets so flaky 
And so as I explored the list of foods containing um, a lot of fermentable sugars, then I started eliminating things and seeing how I felt and kind of working through that. And I found a place where I could exist and feel pretty good. And it just so happened that that put me onto a ketogenic diet. <laughs> you backed your way into it. I backed my way into it. I didn't even really know that I was doing it. And then at some point, someone had mentioned to me, um, I think my doctor, I was in an appointment. She was talking about something else, a person that had cancer and the fact that they needed to be on a ketogenic diet. So I, when I got home, I Googled it because I didn't know what that was. Um, and I was like, oh, well, it looks like that's what I do. <laughs> <laughs> so then just recently I started um, testing myself to see if I really uh, was doing that or not because I tend to eat a lot of vegetables. Um, you know, I eat like one of one of my meals are mostly vegetables with a little bit of protein and then, you know, olive oil or coconut oil or avocado mayonnaise or something, you know, nice and fatty on top of all of that. And so I was just curious, um, really, to see if I was hitting the mark, and I am on a on pretty consistent basis. Um, my blood levels are what someone would want them to be if they wanted to be on a ketogenic diet. Yeah, I think there's a lot of misinformation about people think a ketogenic diet is a high protein diet, and it's not. So eating no. a lot of vegetables, you know, as long as they're n it's not carrots and potatoes and starchy vegetables is, is yeah. to totally fine. So it's a moderate, yeah. moderate protein and, and like you say, and high fat. That's the difference, really. Yeah. Well, and it, you know, I always go back to Michael Pollan's thing about, you know, eat real food, mostly plants. And that's what I do. When someone asks me, what do you eat? I eat whole food, mostly plants some high-quality protein and as much high-quality fat as I feel that I need on a daily basis. Right. Now, some people and say... I feel, and I feel pretty good. Yeah. Do you ever get the feeling like you need to up your carbohydrates more because maybe your thyroid or something else? There are people who think that they're not feeling great on a ketogenic diet and they need some more carbs. Did, do you ever find that to no. be true? No. Sometimes I need more calories. Okay. Um, I get really hungry, and so then I have to come up with things to add in um, because I can only eat so many vegetables before my intestines starts to get a little bit bloated and uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, I try to come up with creative ways to add calories in that, um, and sometimes I think I need more protein. Mm -hmm. Like, that's kind of tricky because... You know, in order to rebuild muscle when you're exercising, obviously you need amino acids. Um, and so I think sometimes I need a little bit more protein, but I also, on a daily basis, I like to eat gelatin or drink collagen. Mm -hmm. And so I, I get some really high-quality um, amino acids from that that do not have to be broken down by my digestive tract because... Honestly, my digestion is still flaky, and I don't get the appropriate amount of nutrition out of what I eat. So you have to um, eat because, things that are, quote-unquote, pre-digested to, to some degree, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Now, do you do bone broth at Definitely. all? Definitely. I do. 
I do. I've got tons of it in the freezer. But during the summer, it's a little bit harder for me to sit down and drink a piping hot cup of broth. I was going to say, <laughs> you weren't sitting in the talent show at 120 and drinking bone broth to encourage more sweat? No. <laughs> I wasn't. I wasn't. But um, that I that's definitely on my list of things that I do for myself. Now, it's not couple, as much right now. There are a couple comments I want to make. I've been listening to a bunch of bariatric surgeons, actually not surgeons, bariatric mm-hmm. physicians, uh, talking about, well, some of them were surgeons anyway, talking about ketogenic diet. So the, there, there are two comments. One, when somebody's using a ketogenic diet to lose weight, th- their cal- calorie count is supplemented by the, their own fat that they're burning. Now, at this point, mm-hmm. you're not losing weight. You're fairly no. trim individuals. So you do yeah. have to keep your yeah. calories up. And that's one of the interesting things yeah. that happen. So somebody will approach the weight where they want to be, and then they'll have to start upping their calories. And these yeah. physicians talk about, you need to increase your fats, not your carbohydrates, not your proteins. Yeah. You know, Otherwise you'll start getting out of ketosis and start gaining weight again. So it's a, it's a strange thing to you know, we hear all this anti-fat thing. It's going to kill you. It's going to, you know, turn you into a walking heart attack, so forth and so on. Make you fatter, give you diabetes. It's not true, well, but we still have that in the back of our mind. And for example, like last night, I, I knew that I was calorie deficient, so I mixed up some shredded coconut with coconut oil <laughs> and a tiny bit of salt. Yeah, and that was my uh, after-dinner snack. That must have um, tasted sweet, though, with the coconut. Yeah, it does. And I'm okay. Coconut's a funny thing with me. I'm good with coconut oil and I'm good with shredded coconut. If you give me coconut flour or coconut butter, I'm down for the count. So so who knows? Uh, You know, I don't think that there's any, sometimes it seems to me there's no rhyme or reason for what happens. And Mm -hmm. so I just go with it. If if I eat X and it makes me feel terrible, I don't eat X again. Right until I feel like experimenting with minute amounts of it. And then I try to see where the line is. Um, and that's, that's really how I've arrived at all the things that I eat. Um, and in the one hand, I think once I figure something out, I don't want to keep trying with it. But on the other hand, it seems to me, that the whole idea of homeopathy is really interesting. So I try to say, okay, well, you can't eat that in this quantity, but is it possible that you could eat that in a, a tiny amount occasionally? I just, I, I, I tend to try to test, see where the line is. Um, and that's dangerous in itself because there can be inflammatory things going on in the background that I don't know about. But at the same time, I hope to someday have a diet that is a little bit more conducive to being a social person. (laughs) 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 I could go to a party and not, you know, and have a little something to eat and then, you know, spend days recovering. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh. I had an awful experience um, at a graduation party this year. It was a friend and, I, uh, my plan was to just eat dry salad and then I got enticed by some chicken and pork that looked good, but it had some kind of rub on it. Yeah. And, um, 
the next day I had a full symptom flip, like everything came crashing. I was, I had no energy. My, every joint in my body hurt. I just felt terrible. Um, and so at that point I got the activated charcoal out of the cupboard and the magnesium and I drank, you know, gallons of lemon water and by five o'clock I was feeling better. So thankfully now I have some things in my arsenal that allows me to counteract bad choices. Um, but you certainly don't want to do that to yourself all the time. Absolutely not. I had food poisoning a few weeks ago, and it's just such a good reminder to feel that bad. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. Now, the other yeah. thing I wanted to back up and talk about was on a ketogenic diet, your salt, how are you with your salt intake? Because the requirements for your body's salt goes way, way up. And it has well, to do with I, metabolism and, salt, and sugars. So in the absence of sugar, sugar kind of does some water homeostasis kind of stuff. But when you drop the sugars down low, you're really relying on salt. And a lot of people, that's another phobia. They have the fat phobia and then the salt phobia. And so they try a ketogenic diet and they end up being dehydrated and electrolyte deficient. I am a salt lover and I always have been because my blood pressure is really low. And so I learned a long time ago that the best way to manage my low blood pressure so that I wasn't dizzy all the time was to eat enough salt on a daily basis. So I have no salt phobia and I eat a lot of salt. Um, In every snack that I make for myself, I always add salt in um, no matter what, whether, whether it's going to be semi-sweet because I've put some sort of cinnamon or I also like DGL licorice uh, powder. Um, and so a lot of times I'll mix fat and maybe some collagen powder and some cinnamon and DGL, and I put salt in all of that too. Do you have Um, a favorite kind of salt? I like the real salt that is like, it's got like red and gray flecks in it. Because we have, we have some like black we i've been experimenting with salts just because i'm curious mm-hmm. and so we tried some of the black hawaiian salt and the pink himalayan yep, salt I have some of that. the gray mm-hmm. mediterranean or french salt or irish salt things like that yep I was just yeah i have a whole bunch of different ones and i have some that are really good on um you know because some of them are smoked a little bit smoked and so those make you know those are good on meats too Let's add um, a little flavor in so, that way. Yeah. Yeah. So you've been is, – is it fair to say that your background as a scientist kind of contributes to your willingness to experiment with yourself? <laughs> Definitely. And I also think – I would say that in the last year, one of the most important things that I did for myself was to do the 23andMe Um genetic testing. And my background as a scientist definitely helped me dig through a lot of information. Not that I'm a genetics expert because I'm not. Um, I only took one genetics course in college, but it at least gave me the background to understand what they were talking about. And then to look through um, all of that information and try to figure out what pieces 
were really applicable. Um, it was an extremely, that whole thing of getting my personal uh, genome sequenced and then sending it off and getting all the reports back from the various places was extremely freeing to me because I had been feeling like, what am I doing wrong? I can't understand how come I, you know, why can't I get a better hold on this? And when I got information back, like, you know, I have a genetic predisposition for my mitochondria to not function optimally. Well, geez, it's no wonder that I was really tired then after everything that happened with me, with the Lyme disease and the twin pregnancy, all, you know, all of it in one, um, it, everything sort of fell into place and it made sense. Um, I'm a really slow metabolizer of caffeine and a lot of pharmaceutical drugs. So it really is no wonder to me that things, you know, are really hard on my body and it's hard for me to detox. And so when I got all this information back and I started looking at myself in, I guess, sort of a larger context, than just, oh, I feel bad or this is going on, then I was able to say, okay, well, if you have a genetic predisposition so that your mitochondria don't function well, what are some things that you should do so that they do function well? Well, you know, one of those is a ketogenic diet. Absolutely. Um, You know, reducing... Right. I just want to say to people listening is you can burn the fat once and then the ketones as a byproduct from the fat can also then go back and be burnt. Your heart muscle loves it. Your brain loves it. It's just ketones are a wonderful thing. Yeah. And then the other thing is, is to do a daily amount of moderate exercise. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, I would get to the point where I was so exhausted that then I would be afraid to start exercising again because I Historically, I have blamed exercise right. <laughs> for for my downfalls, and I think what it is is that there for me there's a sweet spot. Like you can't push too hard because that pushing too hard creates too much inflammation. Mm-hmm. But there's this whole other thing where you can do enough so that it actually gives you more energy available on a daily basis than what you would have if you did nothing. So what's the sweet so spot try, for you for exercise? Right now, what it is, is I, I walk four miles in the morning and then I swim um, for half an hour. The swimming is going to change, obviously, once we're, uh, you know, once we close the pool for the season, then I, I'm going to experiment with what else makes sense. Um, I used to be an avid runner. I don't run anymore. Um, it's just... It's too hard on my body. Occasionally, like once a week, I do some intervals where I do a little bit of sprinting in between walking. But I, what I found is that I can't go out and pound for three miles. I can do intervals for a mile and a half and be okay. Um, I can ride my bike one to two times a week, about 15 miles. Um, and I can't do it more than that. I One time is great. Two times is a little bit pushing it. But anything more than that, I, it just, I can feel it in my body that it's just too much. I start to smell ammonia all yeah. the time. Yeah. And um, 
and my joints hurt and I just I can tell when it's too when it's too much. And then I do like to take a little bit of a walk after dinner just because I think it helps my digestion. Um, so that's my day looks like walk on either end, some swimming, and then maybe a few days a week I do a little bit harder exercise. But um, I try to space that out so that there's lots of rest in between. Brilliant. Thanks for sharing that. And I want to wrap up with one final question. Are you still doing the Backyard Naturalist blog? Um, I am. Right now, it's on a little bit of hiatus, but it's going to go into full swing because in four weeks, all three of my children, um, our oldest is seven. She's going into second grade, and our twins are five, and so they're going into kindergarten. Woohoo! So I know. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, when that happens, then I'm going to re-engage. The summertime is kind of hard because we have a lot of things on our agenda and we're running here or there. So um, I'm hoping to kind of expand that in the next year so that I'm doing more programs for libraries and schools and the blog is um, more consistently populated with information and photographs. Fabulous. You have such great contact content there and the photos are always just stunning thanks yeah you're welcome it's, I, it's very um that's part of that's part of the therapy too is being outside get you into your flow state yeah yeah you have to you have to know the things that make you feel good and that's something that makes me feel really good heather thank you so much for your time I know that you're welcome. Thank you for <laughs> inviting me back. You're, it's, it, we're going to have to make this at least a biennial thing, if not an annual thing. We'll, <laughs> we'll see if I can rope <laughs> right. you in next year. <laughs> right. Checking on the three. Well, you know, I do. I, I you did try to rope me in last year, but I was in a not so good place. Um, sometimes the struggle is is pretty difficult, and when you feel like you don't have any answers, it's hard to. Um, talk about what you're doing because, I mean, honestly, when that happens, my head is spinning and I don't know which way to turn. So, um, you know, maybe that's the time when when we should talk. But at the same time, um, it's nice to have some coherent thoughts. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think it's important, people. Um, one reason I was so excited to talk with you and you agreed to, to come back on, and I did invite you and you turned me down, that – there are these dark, really difficult times with Lyme disease. You know? yeah. And and even after you thought you're at the top of the hill, oh, finally, I've climbed out of this thing. I've yeah. finally got it licked. You know, let's go have a little bit of ice cream at uh, Father's Day. And then all of a sudden, yeah. you know, that and various other things just, just make it all go to hell in a handbasket. So yeah. it's it's in, it's important to know. It's like some people get out of Lyme disease and like they are completely back to normal. They just forgot they ever had it. But yeah. so many more mm -hmm. people are much more like, well, you know, I'm I'm still walking on the edge, and if I go too far one direction, I really start falling. And honestly, I mean, it's not like this is a bad thing. I'm probably in the best physical condition I've been for most of my adult life. You know, I I do everything that I want to do and I feel good 
there are times that I don't feel good and I, I try to manage those times. Um, but you don't know what else could have come down the line if Lyme disease didn't bring a lot of things to light. And so I'm always thankful that it came along and smacked me upside the head. <laughs> and said, you know, you, you really have to take excellent care of yourself. And so I try. Um, and I, I don't know. I, I guess that it's easier for me to just say, okay, well, these are the things that I have to address and go ahead head on than it is to, you know, worry about um, if it's going to come back or what's going to happen in the future. Because I, I guess at this point, I just feel like I can, whatever comes along, I'm going to keep right on plugging and I'm going to try to figure it out and I'll come through the other side of it. Brilliant. Heather, thanks so much. Thank you. So I really enjoyed uh, listening, editing this interview and getting to catch up with Heather again and just the story that she was telling us about just the pitfalls and setbacks that she's had as a result of Lyme. And really as a result of her experimenting with getting back to health, you know, she talked about how uh, living her life again was just a, a series of experiments. And I find it really commendable that she has that courage to, to do that, to get out there and to experiment with things that weren't so good for her. Yes. You know, I was just at uh, the local Mohawk Valley Lyme support group today and we had a couple new people and the biggest topic of conversation was not to lose heart when things aren't going well. And that spirit, fighting spirit, that ninja spirit of continual experimentation is necessary when you've got chronic Lyme. Because if it was easy, if you weren't didn't have chronic Lyme, you'd be healed already. And Lyme is just one of those sticky points. And Dr. Horowitz talks about his 18 different phases, different points of disease that have to be taken care of. It's a complex disease. And the, having the spirit of an experimenter is, is, is absolutely necessary. You, you have to have it. And it also reminded me of, of course, our first interview with Heather. So if you want to check out interview number one with Heather Peretta, we'll put the link to that on our show notes. And it's time to announce the contest winners. Woohoo! Woohoo! May retire our woohoo after this, but I don't know. I know. I think we, I think we've overused it a little bit, it's but I'm very excited. <laughs> and yes, also, can- I have a, well, a, go ahead. What were you going to say? Well, I was just going to say congratulations to the, our winners and thank you everybody who entered. Absolutely. And I have a confession to make. When I created the webpage for the contest, I forgot to ask for your first or last names. So we're doing our best to get your name off of your email address. And I didn't want to announce the email address to the world. So we've stripped out parts of your email address. So please forgive us if we don't quite get your name right. We'll do our best here. And our first winner is Andrea Mendia. Winner number two is M. Cierney. And 
Janine Bart. Eric Burns. Ella Jensen. Jersey Cow Pie. And I think we know who Jersey Cow Pie is, so congratulations, <laughs> Jersey. Naser Becker. And forgive us if we're murdering your name there. Uh, Drum 705. And last is Carolyn Jane. So congratulations, everybody. One last time. Woohoo. (laughs) Woohoo. And this is how it's going to work is I will be emailing you. And so hang on. You'll hear. So the first winner, we're going to start with Andrea. She will get her choice of the prizes and then the remaining will go down the list there. So that was the order you were selected. So you'll be hearing for us in the next few days. I've already sent out an email to Andrea, and hopefully she'll respond quickly. So she'll choose her prize, and then we'll go on to M and down the list like that. So you'll be hearing from us in the nice next week probably. And if you haven't, go ahead and you can shoot an email to McKay at LimeNinja.com, and I'll explain where we are in the process. Okie dokie. That was a lot of fun doing the contest. I really enjoyed that. And yes, if you look. Well, back to business. If you like Lime Ninja Radio, click on over to iTunes and leave us a review. Leave us a review. We love to hear from you and we'll read your reviews on the show. And here is a review from Eat Whole Wheat One. This amazing and informative podcast is a treat every Tuesday. I highly recommend becoming a subscriber. Thank you, Aurora, and thank you, Eat Whole Wheat One. And last, as you longtime ninjas know, this podcast would not be complete unless we left you with the Lime Ninja Fact of the Day. Did you know none of the Lime Ninja Facts of the Day are funny because ninjas are serious business? Lime Ninja Radio is a purely public broadcast and is not intended to be personalized medical advice for any individual's specific situation. Each individual's medical situation is unique and Lime Ninja Radio should not be relied upon and or considered as personalized medical advice. Lime Ninja Radio is not licensed to render medical advice and should be considered simply the public opinion of Lime Ninja Radio and its guests. Recommendations on specific treatment options are not intended to address any listener's particular medical situation. As always, contact your physician before considering any new treatment.